Hello, spooky nerds. How are we this fine spring evening? So today we'll be covering an array of topics, including but not limited to TikTok, Nietzsche, quantum gravity, and the non-locality of consciousness, as well as questions like, does the state have my best interest at heart? And what is the true nature of reality? What are the physics behind consciousness? And what aren't people telling me about psychedelics and the so-called ego death? Also, is XRP Ripple the next Bitcoin? And, and please call us and leave us a message to be on the episode next time. <laughs> so before we begin, I would like to bring up the amazing Arthur C. Clarke, the prolific sci-fi author of such works such as 2001. We will come back to these laws many times in the future episodes that I have. So, with no further ado, Arthur C. Clarke's first law. When a distinguished but elderly scientist states that something is possible, he is almost certainly right. When he states that something is impossible, he is probably wrong. The second law states, the only way of discovering the limits of the possible is to venture a little way past them into the impossible, meaning you have to take a risk to be politically chastised by your academic peers. Third law. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Things that are labeled supernatural today, some of them will be science fact tomorrow. Fourth law, for every expert, there is an equal and opposite expert. That is, there is always an equally credible scientist who can argue the opposite theorem. Irreverence, critical thinking, we must have it. So, phys physicists still argue about things many young scientists may hold sacred. You know, these fundamental physics, the, the macro or micro. And it, uh, it turns out that emergence theory is unifying them all. I ask of you, who were die-hard materialists, who here believe in a truly objective reality, if such a thing exists, which I highly doubt. So I'd like to start with the irritating fact my TikTok, Voltangelion, has been permabanned. Um, however... A dear friend, Volta Machine, has begun re-uploading all of my videos, so trying to get that back up and started. Um, and we're excited to announce our YouTube debut, uh, so check out The Strangest Times on YouTube now. Along with this podcast, I will be disseminating interesting science facts as they pertain to psychology, philosophy, consciousness, etc., as well as making distinctions to any fictions posted thereof. Um, so I wanted to start off the podcast, I guess for the fifth time, uh, with philosophy, or to start off by talking about, um, one of my favorite philosophers, Frederick Nietzsche. So Nietzsche, like all philosophers, sought to understand and heal the enigmatic woes that befuddle us. He was an ostensible seeker of truth. One of his missions was to shed light into why modern society was failing and to cure a poison value system. And this also parallels to my mission, um, to find and share the truth, um, w whatever those may be, truths of our society, our cultures, our governments, history, science, and art. 
Because um, I feel like we all feel like we're on the cusp of something truly infinite, as if the rest of humanity has found itself no longer at void precipice, but free-falling in it with us. And I say to you, oh, to those who are just getting here, um, we've been here, we all have. Aye, aye, aye. I digress. So it seems we currently live in a world that's more akin to Aldous Huxley's Brave New World than uh, George Orwell's 1984. Um, former director of the CIA even said, We will know our disinformation campaign is complete when everything the American public believes is false. So how much do you believe to be true is really true? Uh, how often have you found yourself learning some basic horrible truths that once learned seemed so obvious? And I find it very ironic and very funny how the CIA spawned such an interest in LSD and consciousness. And, you know, it's these messed up parts of the CIA um, under the organizational structure of D6, that is Delta 6, um, that these nefarious entities ended up supporting LSD and invariably over time ended up supporting the opiate epidemic. Um, anyways, in this brave new world of ours, religion is no longer the opiate of the masses, like uh, once thought. Instead, opiates have now become the religion of the masses. Our daily dose of soma intravenously injected via high-speed fiber optics and wirelessly beamed into our fat, mushy brains. <laughs> A sweet reprieve to the daily anxieties we unwittingly prescribe ourselves. And as an ex-opiate addict myself, um, acute drug addiction seems an almost rational reaction to the state of societal affairs many of us grew up in, um, whether it be drugs or the internet. It is the defining trend of the 21st century, this inordinate amount of time spent squandered injecting literal garbage into our veins. <clears throat> um, Nicholas Carr wrote in his book, The Shallows, What we're experiencing is, in a metaphorical sense, a reversal of the early trajectory of civilization. We are evolving from being cultivators of personal knowledge to being hunters and gatherers in the electronic data forest. Which means we have in some ways regressed, at least intellectually, in how we treat our creative selves. Um, the, the nuance and wonder is replaced with cold indifference. And it's, it's this indifference, I believe, has, that I believe is culturally learned behavior. Um, also, it might be me trying to deflect um, my own indifference, which I feel is had been one of my great quote-unquote sins. Um, a sin that came as a direct result of my quote-unquote fears. And so I'll follow up that quote by, um, by Nicholas Carr with one by Nietzsche that reflects the commonality. Quote, Even now, one is ashamed of resting, and prolonged reflection almost gives one a bad conscience. One thinks with a watch in one's hand, even as one eats one's midday meal while reading the latest news on the stock market, one lives as if one always might miss out on something, end quote. <clears throat> and it's this, it's this fear of missing out that drives many, especially, you know, younger people today. Uh, so much of our lives 
are driven by by fear, whether we realize it or not. And it's this unrealized fear. Um, the line between hunger, fear, and lust become far too blurry, and we end up engaging in shit we probably, in a lucid state, would prefer not to. So, like, how often do I hop on and, and shitpost and, and start decimating someone's, somebody online because I, I, I don't know, I left my cigarettes at home or, or something? It's, it's, this, it's, it's fear. It's really fear. Um, and like most fears, can be boiled down to a fear of not connecting, a fear of not being loved. Um, and, and, and personally, I overcame this fear by accepting that now I will be responsible for myself, my emotions, my thoughts, my life. I take responsibility. I, I control my narrative. The only thing I will always have control over is my consciousness, i.e. my choice as to where I place my awareness. Um, and once, once I did this, um, this, this normal, this negativity, negative mentality was, was greatly dissipated. Um, and for example, when I was, um, when I was locked up in Baltimore city, uh, jail to detox cold Turkey, um, for a week, man, um, I had to I had to get get over it quick, and then when I was stuck in Baltimore City, uh, at a sober house for like two months, um, where in a block in either direction I could cop, or it was where I used to cop when I was younger. Um, you know, you have to get you have to realize and get get strong real quick, and um, realize that I may not be able to control my external circumstances, but I can control how I react. And like, especially online, it, it's generally far too easy to just seek and destroy a communal scapegoat when the real evil hides herself behind the blue and red veil of state. Um, I think it's time to evolve our archetypes, our emotions, and to, to evolve our decision making into something smarter and less faulty. Um, theoretical physics, philosophy, psychology, and history classics are, are all a great place to start and it's where i started my journey um i actually have a playlist of some really great high concept stuff i'm sure at least some of you will enjoy on my youtube um especially with this quarantine still in effect uh, the more we learn the, the the less we we should fear um i learned to rely on myself not only for necessities but but for support you know i, I trust myself to ask for help when needed but i understand all i need is within me now and, and now is the best time to learn because um, tomorrow never comes because now has never left. And right now, you know, FOMO has been greatly diminished. You know, fear of missing out. We don't have to feel guilty for spending a whole day watching Netflix or reading or learning something silly or just something doing something productive that other people may not think is productive. Um, because, you know, for, for all we know, there, there, there really ain't shit going on, at least socially. Um, even today, the illustrious 420. Not much, and even if, if there's literally more than 10 people together, then boom! Gestapo show up, and you're dragged away, never to be seen again. <laughs> Though I say this in jest, uh, Nietzsche writes, in great length, regarding the state. Um, he writes, and thus spoke Zarathustra. The state is the coldest of all cold monsters. Coldly it lies, too. 
and this light creeps from its mouth. I, the state, am the people. It is a lie. It was creators who created peoples and hung a faith and a love over them. Thus, they served life. But the state lies in all languages of good and evil. And whatever it says, it lies. And whatever it has, it has stolen. There is nothing greater on earth than I, the regulating finger of God. Thus, the monster bellows. He's a very uh, smart cookie. Um, he, Nietzsche, uh, he wrote... Um, he wrote in the way in which the state would co-opt democracy as one of its demigods. Um, that you know the whole aim of practical politics is to keep the populace alarmed and hence clamorous to be led to safety by an endless series of hobgoblins, most of them imaginary. And I'm sure you associate polit politics, politicians, and, law and lawyers to be essentially professional liars, able to twist any horrible fact, any incongruity into some amicable narrative that suits whoever's needs. Um, and it's, it's these narratives that have been forced upon us, narratives we believe beyond a shadow of a doubt. And it's, it's this blind faith that's led to so many of our issues. Um, so I, I think, I think, let us make a collective agreement to think critically when presented information especially information that contradicts our own personal narratives. Um, for example, I urge anyone, anyone who hasn't watched Out of Shadows on YouTube, it is a phenomenal documentary about um, the history of the CIA within the entertainment industry and how Pizzagate slash Pedogate is not debunked at all. Um, and as someone who's been working in the film industry out in LA for the past three years and my family members been out there for 15 years doing the same thing um it, and it's made by someone who started out as crew in the film industry uh started out as a as a stuntman and then becoming a fight choreographer a stunt director and a, just a director um so th th this the out of shadows is, is super relevant um because and you know and it proves that so many of us have no idea of the true history um no idea of the nefarious alliances made within governments, especially our own government, the American government. Um, and and there, there's so much uh, we don't know that we need to know. The info in this documentary, it's absolutely vital for anyone tired of the status quo. As you know, world governments continually push the narrative that we need them in order to be happy, healthy, and free. And that's just, just flat out not true. Um, you know, of course, essential services services are needed, but you know, we've become addicted to, to the teat of daddy government. Um, you know, I know I did. I was that ex addict who spent most of his welfare on drugs and the rest on food. You know, the, the, this whole system, especially the judicial system. Is not working for for most, um, and you could say the economic system is not working for most either. And it's and, and to be fed the idea that just a few policy changes will fix it—it's offensive. It's offensive to anyone who has any sort of critical thinking skills, um, because we all know that practical politics offer no real solutions, only a fucking bandaid. I quote: "It is destroyers." who set snares for the many and call it the state. They hang a sword and a hundred dishes over them. 
It will give you everything if you worship it, this new idol. Nietzsche and thus spoke Zarathustra. And um, I'll, I'll end this first half with a, a quote by one of my favorite, favorite psychologists um, and philosophers, really, Carl Jung. Um, one of the first books I read by his um, Man and His Symbols. And he talked a lot about the, the collective unconscious, and that's something I immediately identified when I was a kid. Um, and so I, here's the quote. The state takes the place of God. In states, slavery is a form of worship. The state, like the church, demands enthusiasm, self-sacrifice, and love. And if religion requires or, re or presupposes the fear of God, then the state takes good care to provide the necessary terror. Carl Jung, The Undiscovered Self. <clears throat> okay, wow. Uh, that was, uh, was a lot of quotes in the, in the first half of this. Uh, so now I, I would like to take the time to delve into the work done by um, quantum gravity research. Um, for a quick primer on basic quantum physics, look up uh, the double slit experiment, uh, where light exhibits both wave um, and particle-like properties, um, as well as um, the definitions of like quantum entanglement and quantum superposition. Um, like quantum entanglement is known to be the exchange of quantum information between two particles at a distance, while quantum superposition is known to be the uncertainty of a particle or particles being in several states at once, which could also involve the exchange of quantum information for a particle that is known to be in several locations simultaneously. Um, Clee Irwin, uh, the director slash lead scientist on uh, this new emergence theory, makes the or takes the groundbreaking journey into the theory of everything um, that unifies general relativity with uh, quantum mechanics. It's this theory predicts a three-dimensional pixel of reality uh, encapsulated in what's known as the E8 lattice or Lie group. This fundamental building block called the tetrahedron, which is a 3D equilateral, equilateral triangle, um, it's, it's these tetrahedrons forming into a quasi-crystalline spin network, uh, uh, E8. Uh, an E8 lattice, um, and, and, and visually speaking, um, this lattice is the most complex and aesthetically pleasing 3D shape that mathematics has given us. It's, it's this higher dimensional code that appears to be inherent throughout reality. So, how does this E8 lattice correlate to consciousness? Um, let's operate under the basic assumption all reality is composed of information. Nothing less, nothing more, just mere information. So where does consciousness fit in? Consciousness is merely the awareness of aforementioned information. So scientifically speaking, I think that's a suitable definition. Um, without getting into the math, reality is geometric. How, you know, so you might ask yourself, how can reality be composed of pure information? 
information implies meaning. So again, the question is, but what is meaning? Um, all meaning is, da -da, meaning is a comparison. The thing is, we're constantly creating meaning, comparing shit so fast, it's almost imperceptible. Whenever we look at something, we match it with our mind's database, like, that is a doorknob. Germs are on doorknobs. That knob is not my face. Do not lick the doorknob. These are all comparisons. So, meaning is the perception of what's relative to something else. So, so therefore, meaning is subjective and requires a choice. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. So, because meaning is subjective, for it to even exist, it requires perception and measurement by some form of consciousness or awareness. Einstein showed the past and future exist simultaneously in one geometric object. So, all time exists at the same time. Um, let, me, let me say that again. All time exists all the time. I know that sounds kind of weird and unintuitive, but we have to kind of suspend our common sense and accept that. According to the best mathematical minds, this makes sense. I know, I know visualizing helps, helps for me a lot. Uh, so let's visualize this object as a giant old block. Um, imagine all of time and space as one block. Um, so before I, I go into that, um, mathematically, uh, the smallest measurement between two points is, is, is a plank. Um, so C, Planck's law, Planck's constant, um, Google that shit. Um, Planck's time is something similar. Um, so now, if our reality could be frozen in space-time in this metaphorical block like a single frame from a movie, okay? So now imagine the next frame, um, so the next block is different, subtly. So each block, each frame is subtly different than the last, just, just like a movie. Um, so we assume that uh, we assume th that the past influences the future, but in actuality, uh, the w the way we humans perceive time is a purely human construct of our experiences and memory. So you might ask yourself, okay, so 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 what parts of the future are influencing the past, so to speak? Um, well, turns out all time is influencing. All time, all of the time, <laughs> the the same the same way time exists is the same way it influences as well. So, not to get too existential, um, emergence theory can begin to allow you to grasp the mechanics of, say, time travel or time travel via quantum computing. <clears throat> now, now can you imagine the implications of? of reality as a giant neural net connecting everything with everything else. Uh, it, it's interesting because this is, the, this is the mathematics used in the, the DIA's, the Defense Intelligence Agency's research paper on, um, on warp drives, which is, uh, I'll link the PDF uh, in the show notes. It's also used in Operation Sunstreak and Looking Glass. Um, basically all these special access programs uh, utilizing extra-dimensional technology. I, I guarantee you they're using quantum computing and quantum gravity.
emergence and chaos number theory, machine learning, neural nets, nanotechnology, um, and I'm sure not to mention the newly formed entities known as xenobots, as well as artificial intelligences. Um, I've noted, uh, see the, there's a book titled The Singularity is Near by Ray Kurzweil, which kind of delves into those topics. So, Klee Irwin refers to the E8 lattice as a three-dimensional pixel of consciousness. So, okay, now, now when I say consciousness, I'm simply referring to our own awareness, you know, the I that's aware of being aware, so to speak. Um, and in future episodes, I'll be having tons of conversations regarding what other people define as what their consciousness is, where's your, where yours begins and mine ends. Uh, turns out the answer really isn't as clear as we might think. It's, it's really, it's, it's this whole holographic nature of the universe that I am really, really excited to expound upon. Um, there's a book by Michael Talbot called, uh, The Holographic Universe, and on the, on the title it says, A Remarkable New Theory of Reality That Explains the Paranormal Abilities of the Mind, the Latest Frontiers of Physics, and the Unresolved Riddles of Brain and Body. And uh, it says, one of the most important books of the decade, a subtle but thrilling remaking of the mind. One comes to the end of it living in a larger universe, gifted with talents one never knew one had. Quote by uh, Gene Houston, PhD, author of The Possible Human. Um, and plus, there's a bunch of PhDs, MDs, um, on the back of the book saying how desperately needed this book is. Um, it's come, it's been, <laughs> this book is not new either uh let me uh yeah this book came out in 1991 interesting enough which is the same year i was born hey yes the holographic universe i recommend anybody and everybody check that out having having said all that uh, i'm just super excited to talk more about it um there I will more than likely in the next or in the future episodes expand into quantum gravity research and everything that is included in understanding the E8 lattice and the holographic nature of reality. Um, I will definitely. This is just a uh, you know a quick hey, hey, what's up uh, to anyone who might be interested. Uh, and if you are, please please stay tuned uh, and, uh, and check it out. Now, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, please leave a message here on Anchor, and it will automatically be added to the end of the next episode. So I wrote most of this podcast yesterday, but I got super duper stoned because it was 4.20 yesterday, and uh, so I like kind of fell asleep, and so now here it is, uh, 4.21. Um, and yesterday, Duncan Trussell's new show came out on Netflix called The Midnight Gospel, and it is motherfucking incredible. Boom. And I really love the name because it sounds similar to uh, The Midnight Moth, which is, or I mean, sounds similar to The Moonlight Moth, which is kind of like a nickname for the tattoo that I got recently. Um, 
Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep. We have reached the end of our little jaunt, and uh, I have just a couple more announcements. Um, if you would like to be a guest, please feel free to message me personally at psugi at protonmail.com. Um, or you can email the show at thestrangestimes at gmail.com. Please subscribe here and on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook. Also, if you would like to have a perpetual danky fresh stream of memes slash philosophy slash just pure autist shit, um, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, Volta Machine. So if there's one thing I'd love for you to take away is the facts according to science are access to non-local information appears to be very fucking possible. Also, Austin, hit me up. Lots of people I'm friends with, especially left-leaning folks, or they're waiting for you to have a conversation with um, a reasonable, fact-based, ideally nonpartisan person, um, as opposed to you know strictly right-wing wingers or libertarians. Um, a new world is a new mind in the strangest fucking time. Listening in our own lives? Yes. And the story you told, it also links again back to the beginning when you were talking about how we don't get it. We don't really let it in about our mortality. Because if we really did understand that this body will be a corpse, the time of death is uncertain, but death is certain. If we really got that, we would have fewer of the kind of moments where we regret having wasted our time or somebody else's. And we would be more acutely, I mean, people who have a terminal diagnosis, sometimes they say this weird thing about how they're grateful because they never felt more alive. Right. And you think, uh, really? But that's what they're pointing to, <laughs> that they're acutely sensitive to the fleeting nature of being alive. And it's so precious and just as horrible, brutal as the world can be, it's gorgeous and exquisite too. So I think to listen to each other requires a little bit of mindfulness. We have to learn to recognize what's going on in our own mind. We have to learn to recognize what's going on in our own minds.